Eagles Entertainment. Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles. Anything that move, I don't care who it is. Just do. Give me everything you got. Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in their house. It's party time. It's party time. Let's go. Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Fran Duffy. That's for another week, and we've got more training camp today as the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and as always, I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 344. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with both Chris McPherson and Ben Fennell about what we saw on Saturday morning at the Novacare Complex, the Eagles taking the field for their ninth practice of training camp. What did we see? We had one-on-ones, we had full team, we had seven-on-seven, some special teams work. We had plenty to break down here at the Novacare Complex, so excited to dig into that with both Ben and Chris. Before we get there, just some little housekeeping notes here. Number one, make sure you go subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast. Myself, Ben Fennel, Dane Brugger, we're breaking down the top draft prospects going into this college football season and getting you all ready for the 2022 NFL Draft. A lot of really fun prospects already on the docket that we have discussed. Make sure you go check out our last few previews. This week, we're breaking down the Big Ten. So our Penn State, Ohio State, all of our fans are up here uh, in the northeast part of the country. Obviously, a lot of teams of interest, especially getting out to the Midwest. So if you're a fan of any of those teams or, or just the NFL Draft, Make sure you go subscribe to the Journey to the Draft podcast with myself, Ben Fennel, and Dane Brugler. And as always, too, for those of you who subscribe to this show, best way to throw us your support is going to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a comment. If you've got a question, we will answer it. Just leave it right in the comment box. We've got a great question we're going to get to here in a little bit. That said, let's get into Chalk Talk now. I'm excited to talk with Ben and Chris. It's time now for Chalk Talk. Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk. All right, well, beautiful weather out of the, the Novacare Complex on Saturday as the Eagles took the practice field once again. Day off on Friday. Happy to welcome in Chris McPherson and Ben Fennell to talk about what we saw uh, here for the ninth training camp practice of the 2021 summer. Well, guys, let's let's jump into what we saw here practice because uh, there were plenty of one-on-one reps. We saw some team. We saw some spirited action on both sides. Before we get there, uh, C-Mac, we'll come to you first. Yeah, so roster move-wise, linebacker Alex Singleton, we've seen him on the sidelines the last couple of days in the ramp-up period. He was activated off the COVID-19 list, so great news for him. And as we'll get into in a little bit, he was thrust right into the action. From an injury standpoint, John Hightower was added to the week-to-week category with a groin injury. He suffered the injury during Thursday's practice, so he will be sidelined. For the, for the foreseeable future. Uh, a few names added to the day-to-day category. Defensive back Graylin Arnold has a hamstring. Linebacker Jannard Avery has a groin injury. Sean Bradley has a non-COVID illness. And safety Obi Melifonwu, he has a hamstring injury. So lots of activity there from an injury standpoint, but also from a depth chart standpoint, as Fran, the coaches had a chance to review the tape from the last four practice session and kind of make some adjustments on the field. Yeah, usually you're not going to get too many changes on a depth chart from a day-to-day basis when you've got lots of practices stacked on top of each other. But when you have that day off like the Eagles had on Friday, that's where you might see a change here and there. And I thought on Saturday we saw a couple of those. So First of all, uh, everyone looking at left tackle, it was Andre Diller dead. Those guys are still uh, splitting reps, both he and Jordan Mailata. You mentioned Alex Singleton, by the way. Uh, Singleton thrown in with the starters in the first-team defense. But uh, going back to the offensive line, we got the changing of the guards. We have uh, Sua Opeta stepping in at left 
left guard, Jack Driscoll stepping in at right guard. So Nate Herbig, who had been working with the first team on the left side, uh, he went down to be the second team center. And then Matt Pryor, who had been working as the, the starting right guard, he went down to second team right tackle. That bumped Casey Tucker uh, inside to right guard. So we saw some shakeups there along the offensive line. Luke Jariga uh, also got more snaps with the ones at center uh, in place of Jason Kelsey, who didn't see every single snap uh, with the first team during team. So we saw some Jariga uh, up with the ones. Uh, Kayvon Wallace still at starting uh, on the opposite safety spot from Anthony Harris. So uh, big shakeups on the offensive side today. We saw some new bodies in there, uh, which made for some, you know, kind of some, uh, some interesting battles down there in the trenches during team drills. But uh, guys, let's get into it first. I guess the, the big takeaway, C-Mac, I'll come to you first. Big takeaway, walking off the practice field here Saturday. How about Nick Sirianni's way of creating competition? There's been a lot of attention to how the practices have been shorter, but he's made an emphasis on finding ways to really increase the intensity in that short amount of time to be able to get their work in, but at the same time, really enhance and stress that need to, to battle each other on the field. So let's go to the final team period. Let's go to the final play of practice. Nick Sirianni says that if the offense can convert the third down situation, that they would win that period of practice. So it's a third team offense, third team defense, Nick Mullins at quarterback, great anticipation throw to the sideline. I think it was Elijah Riley, the defensive back, was coming on a blitz. Mullins was able to get the pass out, and Jason Hunley with a beautiful catch along the sideline. And the offense, Jalen Hurts, happy birthday to him, by the way. Jalen Hurts rushing out to lead the charge to congratulate Huntley as the offense was happy uh, to get that quote-unquote win to end the day. But Boston Scott said the thing is that it's one thing that if you have good teams, his quote was good teams, you know, have great talent, but the great teams can execute in the clutch. And it's Nick Sirianni's way of creating these little competitions, whether it's charting every period or emphasizing a certain play at the end of practice, just little ways to kind of increase the tempo and intensity to get the most out of the players on the field. So for me, my big takeaway is just, Nick Sirianni and his creative way of creating competition here and a nice way to finish out practice for the offense. Yeah, and obviously, look, it was big for Huntley. Huntley has had trouble catching the football at certain times during the course uh, of training camp. And I think, too, um, you know, just in pass protection drills, he struggled early today. I was over there for the running back linebackers uh, one-on-one. So he has not had uh, like a like a super like high-flying camp up to this point, but good for him to make that catch in that moment. And I think too, you talked about just the creating that culture of competition. Not only was Nick Sirianni jumping up and down, trying to get everybody hype up uh, before that play, but Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, guys on the offense as well, Jalen Hurts, uh, all trying to get everybody hyped up. So you had the starters all buying in, trying to get that third team unit uh, up to try and get the W for everybody involved. So uh, that was certainly the case today. And I when you talk about competition, the other big thing too, you're just talking about one-on-ones, and we saw plenty of them today. Uh, I was over watching the running backs, linebackers, and then a little bit later when they went seven-on-seven, I stayed down in the end zone and watched the O-line, D-line, one-on-ones. Um, I think I mentioned the other day, I felt like the offensive line got the better end of that drill. Today, and honestly, this goes to the team period as well, the defensive line was really, really sharp. Uh, you know, Brandon Graham had a good win. Fletcher Cox had a really good uh, little Reggie White-esque hump move uh, against Woo! Jack Driscoll on the inside. Javon Hargrave, who's just been impressive every day. 
it's almost like boring saying how good Javon Hargrave has been every single day. Uh, we talked about the, the position change for Casey Tucker. So he got more reps at guard today. I thought he and uh, Hassan Ridgeway had a really good battle. Uh, Jordan Mailata and Josh Sweat had a good battle on the left side. And then just some really good reps, you know, with Harry Kreider, an undrafted free agent, had a good rep against T.Y. McGill. And then the drill ended. Milton Williams, uh, the rookie third-round pick, going up against guard Suo Opeta, who, like I said, uh, got promoted up to work with the first-team unit today. Uh, Williams got some initial push, really good power move. Opeta was able to kind of drop that anchor and stop it, but then Williams saw, you saw him spin across his face and get into the backfield. So it was just a really good competitive rep from both guys uh, to close out the drill. I thought that was one of the more uh, spirited and intense one-on-one sessions between the O-line and D-line uh, here on Saturday. So that was a, a really good session to just kind of kick things off for the rest of team drills. Uh, ben, big takeaway, walking away from uh, practice today. Well, just trying to figure out at this point uh, in camp, at, you know, heading into the dog days of August, and we have our first game in a couple days here, what the strength and the identity of this team is. And I really think it's in the trenches on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I think the depth on offensive line, the depth on defensive line, the versatility, and in that stable of running backs. I think we're going to pound, pound, pound teams this year with the run game. But with that being said, and just watching both phases of the offense, the run and the pass, it's been uninspiring. And I feel like there's been stacking some poor practices as far as the pass game and just way too inconsistent, whether it's penalties, drops, inaccuracy. Um, you know, I just feel like they're not hitting a rhythm with the pass game. And, you know, it's getting hot out there. It's getting frustrating. The practices are short. But with practices being short, you want to be sharp while you're out there. And I'm just not seeing the sharpness through the pass game uh, on a daily basis. Today seemed like a lot of sticks, a lot of hitches, a lot of middle sit routes. Ball was coming out quick, so that ball had to be accurate. You saw a lot of linebackers kind of involved in coverage today. But um, just trying to figure out what the strength of this team is. I really think it's in the trenches. And now it's just trying to figure out how to tap into that strength on a weekly basis. So let me ask you guys this. Uh, one of the things I was sitting and watching today, uh, whether it was with the running back linebackers, O-line, D-line, is there been a favorite one-on-one -on -one battle that you've seen so far in camp? Because you, you know how it is at this point. Uh, ben, you just said it's you know, kind of in the dog days of August at this point. Uh, we've seen a lot of guys, not just in one-on-ones, but even in team, get matched up against each other day after day after day. Has there been one specific battle that has kind of stood out to you that's just been your favorite to watch? Ben, I'll, I'll come to you first. Yeah, I think, too, in the receiver-cornerback uh, battles, I mentioned yesterday uh, the nickel slot battle between Greg Ward and Avante Maddox is yep. one that we really haven't touched on. It's kind of iron sharpening iron out there. These guys are matched up on a daily basis and really making each other better out there. Greg Ward has really emerged as a leader on this team in that receiver room. He was barking at some of the young receivers today in wide receiver individual drills for not finishing. Just like having that extra coach, you know, that's a player and kind of in that room. And another one? Jalen Rager against Darius Slay, I think, has been kind of must-see TV out there in one-on-ones. And another one where the young second-year Rager needs to get better in his route running. And he's working with Darius Slay, and Slay is kind of letting him know, you know, the little tricks of the trade out there. Not giving him anything, obviously, within the down. But afterwards, just those little subtleties and getting open. And why not go up against the best if you need to get better at it? So watching Jalen Rieger, who has certainly, you know, had his plays and has yep. made a couple highlight catches over the all-pro, pro bowler slay. Um, but two fun ones there in the receiver DB battles. It's I interesting. You, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, even with Slay, even the times that Rieger's won, Slay's been there. He's been yep. right there in position. Even that, that majestic one-handed grab that everyone loved on social media. Great job uh, by our Joe Helder, who captured it. 
And then uh, it was on our social media channels. Look, Slay was right there. Could have easily knocked that pass away. So certainly, even though Rager has had his victories, Slay has battled time after time again for him. I tell Joe every morning to take the lens cap off. So as much as you want to give that to Joe, I feel like I kind of start the day and really put him in a position to be successful out there. We're all helping each other uh, every no single question. day. No question. Uh, ben, I, real quick, just because I was not over at the receiver DBs one-on-one today, uh, were there any individual plays that stood out? Any players that are matchups that just caught you like, just today? No, not particularly. You know, I don't think there's anything of note. And, you know, just uh, while you're giving me the floor here, you know, two guys that maybe aren't 4-3 type of players, but they're battling each day, Steve Nelson and Travis Fulgham, Mm. two guys that are a little bit bigger, like to win with physicality. Listen, Fulgham loves to win off the line. Hey, I got news for you. Steven Nelson loves to jam off the line. So it's really fun to watch that first five, sometimes six, seven yards of bumping and battling out there. But, no, nothing notable as far as an individual rep today. What what was the what was the phrase, Fran, that we did the practice live stream this morning? And you said about Steven Nelson. Obviously, he's in your hip pocket. He's gonna look to steal your uh, wallet. Gonna, like, yeah, that he likes to. He's gonna be so close to you at any point. He can reach in your pocket and take your wallet. Uh, that, that's for that's <laughs> that's how Steve Nelson, Nelson likes to play coverage. Um, especially you know early in the down. Uh, that's where he wins. He's just trying to play, and it's not necessarily oh he's gonna steer him and just drive the guy uh, out of bounds. But it's gonna be he's gonna try and get in your face, and he is going to stay there on your hip uh, for as long as possible. That is the way uh, that Steve Nelson likes to play in coverage. C-Mac, uh, is there a matchup that you've uh, really enjoyed watching I, I really think it's watching the defensive ends and the offensive tackles specifically i'm going to go with uh the left tackle battle with myelata and dillard having to go against the likes of Derek barnett and josh sweat day in and day out and i know josh sweat is getting a lot of the headlines and look he's having an outstanding camp but Derek barnett has been right there with them for me, stride for stride. I think Derek Barnett coming into this camp healthy. I know he was slowed by injury at the start of last season. Everyone's looking for big things from both of these players. Okay. Going into this year to kind of like who can emerge, who can, uh, you know, be that compliment to Brandon Graham, so to speak. So I know Barnett has been a star for a couple of years. Josh Sweat became a key contributor last season. Uh, but between Sweat's ability to fly off the edge and then Barnett improving his pass rush repertoire, I'm I, I really excited to see what this uh, pass rush is going to look like. Because, Ben, I think you, you nailed it on the head earlier, saying that the strength is in the trenches on both sides of the football. And especially the way this defensive line has been coming at the offense in waves. The defensive line dominated today's practice, in my opinion. Uh, and Sweat and Barnett have been a huge part of it. Plus, they're helping... Jeff Statlin and the coaches figure out who's the best person to be the blindside protector along the offensive line. Yeah, I was going to go with uh, with Josh Sweat and Jordan Mailata for that reason too. And, and it's funny, but just because with those three guys, look, same draft class, right? You go back a few years, you go back into that uh, that 2018 group. And I think when you look at both players, you said, okay, we're going to take that same matchup. Let's look three summers ago and see what that looks like. I think with both of those guys, you would see really good flashes. But overall, it's funny, Ben, I was thinking about this way when I was watching the one-on-ones today. With both those guys, what were some of the things we said back in the summer of 2019, the summer of 2018 when they first came in? It's like, all right, when they're they're going through a rep, you could see things working in their heads. They're thinking every single step through. So, you know, not only are they trying to gain ground, but as soon as they throw their hands, their feet stop. They stop gaining ground or they stop getting depth if you're uh, Jordan Mailata. Now with both guys – that both sets of limbs are working completely independently from each other and they're still working. So with Jordan Mailata, when he throws a punch on a defensive end, 
His feet don't stop. It's not like he's just lunging and bending over. His feet still move. With Josh Sweat, he's still gaining ground as he's throwing uh, his long arm or a hand swipe or an inside chop. Both those guys have really just come along. It's just been fun to see both those guys develop the way that they have, and the battles between them have been really, really good as well. So uh, to me, that was the, the battle I wanted to pick there, Ben. Hey, you know, potential comes in different forms. And three yeah. years ago, you had Josh Sweat, former, I think, number one player out of high school, but had some injuries in college, and Jordan Mulata didn't know where the helmet goes on his body type of thing. You know, you could find potential and potential developments in so many different shapes and sizes and stories. And Josh Sweat and Malata, obviously two different paths, but they're both developmental players. And it's really exciting to watch them, you know, emerge into the players they are today. And believe me, I was looking to doubt Jordan Malata at every turn. I'm one of these guys that say, it's not that easy. You can't just be an athlete and come play offensive line. How hard that is. <laughs> he has blown me away year after year after year. And into this camp sitting here in August 21, he has really impressed me and I'm looking at him so hard and trying to be so critical. He has done an outstanding job and Josh Sweat as well uh, certainly has really developed his game. All right. Well, so speaking of Josh Sweat, he, uh, I would say he got my play of the day today. It was um, the first team period is really, it was like a minute after I walked out there. Uh, basically how they start every single day of practice is they'll do a quick team period. Like, I don't know, but probably five, six, seven, eight plays. Honestly, it's t- it's tough for me sometimes to know exactly how many plays are in the period because it's right when I get out of the, get out there uh, when I leave the practice stream, usually with with uh, myself and Dave Spadaro. Uh, so I get out there, and it was the first or second play. Josh Sweat flies inside. I think it was like on some kind of a stunt and he's there to, to sack Jalen Hurts. He had had to sack a, a pl- the play before uh, as well, where he kind of tapped Hurts uh, on the back. But on this one, he gets right in front of, uh, of Hurts' face. Hurts breaks the pocket. He's going to finish the play and he ends up throwing an interception to Eric Wilson. So you get the interception by Eric Wilson it was an athletic play and coverage, but also the sack uh, there by Josh Sweat. Uh, to me, uh, that was my play of the day, C-Mac. So for me, uh, not my play of the day, but I'm going to give some props to another former Viking. You talked about Eric Wilson. How about Anthony Harris with, with a couple uh, huge pass breakups, one against a uh, diving, one against uh, Dallas Goddard. Yep. But my play of the day comes from the final team period. And how about Lavert Hill, okay, was a Shrine Bowl participant. I think we saw him down there in Tampa, St. Pete in 2020, uh, Michigan, uh, inside, outside versatility. Well, he was locked up against the rookie for agent, tall corner, Jamon Osbin. It was third team unit. So Nick Mullins was, you know, kind of eyeing him down. was trying to get him on the quick out route, but Lavert Hill had it keyed up the whole way, stepped in front and took it to the house the other way. So uh, get a little love there to uh, Lavert Hill trying to make his way for a roster spot here with the play of the day on this Saturday. Yeah, it's a great call on the linebackers in coverage. You saw Eric Wilson. We're calling Anthony Harris a linebacker in that particular PBU because he was lined up uh, in the box there and kind of a single high look. TJ Edwards, hand on a pass. Alex Singleton, hands in the passing lane. Those linebackers all over the passing lanes today. But my play of the day is going to be on the back end. And I'm almost positive. Not quite sure. I think it was Andrew Adams. There was a little wrinkle in the jersey. I think it was 21. He was wearing the sleeves out there. But it was a really impressive range on kind of a double move or a wheel to Tyree Jackson down the right-hand side. He just saw this safety fly across the field. Didn't really get to the ball, but got to the catch point. Distracted Jackson and eventually broke up the ball. But he came from, I want to say, the opposite hash, if not further. 
and really took away that throw that was wide open if he wasn't there. But he flew across the field there to take away what would have been one of the bigger completions of the day uh, from Flacco to Tyree Jackson. But Andrew Adams, number 21, pay attention to him out there. He gets some reps with the ones. He's a really active player. He loves special teams. He's going to be involved this year. Yeah, that's what he, I was. I'm glad you brought him up because he's a player that honestly, if you had said a few days ago, like, you know, who's a guy that maybe you were expecting to make the final 53 and not, you weren't so sure he starts the, the summer on the COVID-19 list. And, you know, so you don't know, you know, he's not out there. You see a bunch of these other guys getting reps with the ones we talked about, you know, Kayvon Wallace and Marcus Epps. There's a, you know, some other young players uh, there in the secondary. It's like, Oh man, like, is he going to miss his shot to be able to come in and, and compete for reps? He comes in very first day and is really active. You can see almost every single day, Jonathan Gannon is dop- dapping him up after a play in the backfield or you know making some kind of play on the ball. So uh, Andrew Adams, just in uh, what three practices now, has really made his presence known. And this is his fifth year. This is his fourth team. He's kind of emerging into what we like to call hired guns type. Right. And it just means you could come right in and play. You're that cerebral. You understand schemes and systems. And he really showed that. He wasn't around, as you mentioned, with the COVID and was, you know, not available to start practice. When he was available, right there in with the ones. Yep. And I know Rodney's not out there, so there may be a bit of a trickle effect. But he's one of these guys that I think is a plug-and-play type, which is extremely valuable yep. uh, when filling out your roster. No question. Well, guys, uh, we have got a big day on Sunday. The Eagles having uh, public practice over at Lincoln Financial Field. And again, that practice at Lincoln Financial Field starts at 6 p.m. Ben, Chris, great stuff as always. We will talk to you guys both tomorrow. Great stuff there from both Ben and Chris, who you can follow on Twitter, just like I do. And while you're at it, I'm at EaglesXOs. That's where I post all the podcasts I'm a part of and all of our X's Nose content that we produce here with Eagles Entertainment. You know how much I appreciate everybody that promotes this podcast on social media. That is one way to support the show, but the best way is to go on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating and leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout out today to someone who left a great question. Maddie G underscore 28 saying, love the show, love the insight. Still running the best podcast on Apple. Really appreciate that, Matt. Thank you very much. He said it is a two-part question. He says, love the show. Always great insight. Still running the best podcast on Apple. Matt, really appreciate that. He said, I have a two-part question here. I heard you mention the running back room in a recent podcast. Shane Steichen just brought it up in his training camp interview this week. First, how likely do you see the Eagles running a two-back formation? Because as soon as we drafted Kenny Gainwell, I imagined a split-back shotgun play vividly in my mind with Miles Sanders. But I know it's not run very much in the NFL compared to college so my second question is what are the advantages to running a two-back set compared to a two-tight end set and why is it not run very much so Matt it's a great question and it's funny Friday the Eagles didn't practice Friday had you know no work today didn't have to come in uh, that day for practice so uh, I sat at home and I was just kind of browsing around looking at, at some different training camp reports from around the NFL and it really seems like one of the the buzz terms that we're seeing a lot all around the league we're seeing everybody use more two-back sets. You know, every team, it feels like, oh, they're finding ways to get both of their running backs on the field. What does this mean? All the different motions and formations and things like that. I think well, that's something that we could see more of here going into 2021. I think that that could be uh, one of the items that we see more in vogue. And we're starting to see it a little bit more when you look around the NFL, right? And some of the some of the top offenses, and not even some of the top offenses, but even some of the, the middling offenses in football a year ago, they found ways to get chunk yards with two running backs on the field. Now, why is it not run very much? I, I couldn't I couldn't answer that, but like I said, I think that we're on the precipice of seeing a little bit more of it, whether it's with two straight tailbacks or 
with getting even getting a fullback back out on the field. Obviously, only a couple offenses uh, really employ a fullback, you know, full time uh, here in today's NFL. But I think we'll start to see a little bit more of that. Now, what are the what are the 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 advantages of having that kind of a look? I think a lot of people would say, okay, if you've got two tailbacks on the field, you know, maybe you try and keep the opponent in base, right? Because that's what a lot of teams are trying to do by staying in a two tight end set. I would say you're probably less likely to get base if it's two tailbacks. You know, with using your example, if the Eagles had Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell out on the field, my guess is the defense would respond in some kind of a nickel package or a big nickel package. That would be my guess. That said, I think what you can do, and you might say, all right, well, in a passing game, that's not really that much of a matchup until you get into getting the football into the hands of a playmaker. Because think about this. When teams are are creating run plays, when they're drawing a play up on the whiteboard for a run play, what are you trying to get? You're trying to get a running back one-on-one with a corner. You're going to block the safety. You're going to block the linebacker. You're trying to get the corner unblocked, get the running back up with a head of steam. Well, if you're talking about jet sweeps and bubble screens and swing passes and wheel routes, those plays, getting those running backs out to the perimeter – You're trying to get a running back one-on-one with a corner. So it's the same kind of an idea. And if you are going to incorporate all the jet motions and orbit motions and all that stuff, you'd rather get that ball into the hands of a running back, a guy who's used to carrying the football and used to dealing with contact and breaking tackles as opposed to a speedy receiver, right? Because, you know, those guys are are maybe not as conducive to breaking tackles. And so that would be what the, the big strengths of that are. And I think when you look, Around the NFL, just just think about it off the top of my head. You know, last year in Washington, look at Scott Turner and what they were able to do with both Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick, and especially McKissick, a lot of receptions from the slot for the, from the running back spot, getting him out on the field, a lot of easy offense for whoever was a quarterback for the Washington football team. Tyler Irvin, uh, last year in Green Bay, a lot of jet motion. He was a huge piece of that offense until he got hurt. So him out in the field with whether it was Jamal Williams or Aaron Jones, he was a big piece. Chicago wanted that to be Tariq Cohen, pairing him with David Montgomery, and then he kind of got dinged up. The 49ers do all this kind of stuff, except it's Debo Samuel, who's a, a wide receiver, built like a running back, and he gets the ball all kinds of different different ways in the run game. And so you have a bigger receiver there with Debo Samuel, but the saints have done this. The Colts certainly with Naheem Hines have done this. The chiefs do these kind of things with Tyree kill as well out of like a 12 personnel, same kind of idea. And so ultimately look, there are lots of different ways to try and pick up yardage in football. And there's lots of different ways to play on matchups in the passing game and in the run game, mixing up your different personnel packages can create some favorable matchups. Is it going to be a a cure-all? No, you're going to have to, the the defense is going to respond. The defense is going to have pieces to be able to answer, but you're going to try and find little ways, little edges on one drive, two drives, three drives a game to say, okay, now we're going to, now we're cooking here. Now we've got uh, a matchup that we like, or, you know, this play, we feel like we can get an easy 12 to 15 yards. So I think that that's going to be something that we see around the NFL. Some teams are going to do it really well. Some teams aren't going to do it really well. It'll be more window dressing or it'll be more hitchy and not really necessarily a a big threat that defenses are going to be game planning against uh, on a weekly basis. But it's certainly certainly something that stood out. So your question, uh, Matt, like I said, could not have been could not have come at a better time because that was just one of my takeaways. Just kind of browsing Twitter uh, on Friday afternoon, uh, just getting a sense of how teams are doing around the league. So great question there from Matt. Thanks to him. And thanks to all of you out there for your continued support of this show and all the rest of our podcasts here with Eagles entertainment. That being said, I think that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled by Gatorade for everybody here at the Novacare complex. I'm Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you tomorrow.
Hi, Eagles fans. I'm Connor Barwin, and I'm here to tell you about the Eagles Autism Challenge presented by Lincoln Financial Group. This year's event will take place on Saturday, August 21st, and we can't wait to see all of you back at Lincoln Financial Field live and in person. Register today to walk, run, or ride. In addition to making a transformational impact on the autism community, you'll also receive a complimentary ticket to our public practice on Sunday, August 22nd. Register today at eaglesautismchallenge.org, and I'll see you there.